Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar swords and scalies. I'm your host, Lenormon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Math Machine, Lucky Eevee, and Stryker. Today is our 52nd episode, and we're discussing the 1967 Gumby short, Dragon Daffy. So, let's get things started. Mm, that's really interesting. So, Art, Art Cloakey was the creator of Gumby, and this guy had one of the most amazing life stories that I have ever, ever heard. I mean, what this guy uh, went through before and after his most famous creation really is something else. He was originally mm-hmm. born... There's not the drugs involved. Yeah, yeah, oh, we boy. will get to that. We will get to that uh, after our discussion on the episode. He was originally born as Charles Faddington, but after, <laughs> the, death, but after the death of his, mo- of his father in the war, his mother, uh, he didn't like uh, his mother's new boyfriend. So she did the only reasonable thing that a person would do at that time. Sell him to an orphanage. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You, you could apparently do that in the past. Shish, I know. Well, uh, he changed his name to uh, Art Cloakey, and he got interested in stop-motion animation. His first work was called uh, Gumbasia, and it's kind of a spoof of Fantasia. It's uh, various clay shapes uh, moving and morphing into each other, and it's set to a jazz soundtrack. It's actually public domain, and it's like only uh, six minutes. So if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It, it really uh, is amazing. Especially that the fact that Cloakey animated it all by himself. That is very actually, impressive. That, yeah, that is impressive that he yeah. did it all by himself. Indeed. Yep. So uh, this one short got him enough notice to where he made Gumby, and Gumby was an instant smash hit throughout the uh, 1950s and 1960s. And because despite of the, its early, despite its uh, ugly baby phase, as uh, it were. yeah, the, the first few shorts uh, didn't really have the uh, you know best of uh, animation, but it still looked really, really good. And uh, yeah. they added more characters, like of course Pokey, Prickle the dinosaur, and Goo the mermaid. And fun oh. fact: Pokey and Prickle were voiced by Art Cloakey himself. Huh. it's a really nice uh, touch right there. Gumby's. Uh, the most famous voice actor for Gumby was uh, Dallas McKennan, who did a lot of voice work for Disney, and he also did something that's very interesting. You know the stereotypical hyena laugh, the one that they used for Ripper Roo in, Cra- in uh, Crash? He did oh, that? Yeah. yeah, that was him. He did that, and it became a stock sound effect. Yo, oh, that's nice. awesome. Nice. I mean, that is so. If, imagine doing that. You were the originator of a noise that became a stock sound effect. That, that is cool. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he did uh, freaking uh, the hamburger's voice. Yeah, hey, it's, it, it's like with the um uh uh Wilhelm scream. <laughs> yeah, nice. exactly, exactly like that. And uh, the thing is with Gumby that's interesting. Being a claymation show, Gumby took an insane amount of time to to make. After like a full day of work. They would be cons- they would be considered very lucky if they had like a, a twenty seconds of usable footage with it. Mm. And the fact no, that Cloakey realize how intense claymation is as a medium, I, I is, can imagine um, it takes a lot of skill with it. In fact, yeah. it's like it's just mo- uh, mostly uh, pictures, yes, but like 
Imagine the time and effort you would have to put into making just five minutes of content. Exactly. Yeah, take and... a look at Laika. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then take a look yeah, at and, uh, Gumby, Will like... Vinton. Will Vinton, who did the uh, California Raisins and the Domino's Pizza Noid. He did the uh, Mark Twain claymation movie. He was another uh, great uh, stop oh, motion. Oh, my goodness. Animator. That one's another yeah. good movie. Yeah, yeah that's pretty yeah. impressive. It's uh, also impressive. Yeah, stop motion ain't exactly uh stop motion ain't exactly an easy medium to get to uh really accomplish. Like you take a look at stuff like Ronk and Bass, and then you look at stuff like I don't know Gumby and Leica again, and just all that, and the difference is certainly night and day in terms yeah, of difficulty. Exactly. And the thing is, that was interesting is Cloaky wasn't just doing one TV show; he was doing two. Because he was also making, at the same time he was doing Gumby, he was doing uh, Davy and Goliath, which is a show about a boy and his dog. And it was actually well, funded yeah. by, the, by the Unification Church, believe it or not. It was a more sedate show compared to Gumby. Let's do it that way. It wasn't it's a as, show that I watched growing up. I didn't. How, I didn't either. How was it, basically? Just curious. Uh, it was basically just uh, another Christian kids program. But, <gasps> yeah, and our culture uh, did that, yeah. It was Ugh. it was pretty um, it was kind of special for its time though. I will yeah, say yeah, that. especially okay. again because it was stop motion at a time when a uh, stop motion was extremely rare on TV. And it's so, like uh, modern era. It, uh, the uh, the cartoon Davy and Goliath that was the inspiration for moral. Moral oral. Yep. Oh, oh god, right, moral right. Oral. I can see it now. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh yeah, I heard some things about that. Show. Yeah, I don't know. The show if was great. Would, yeah, oh, I don't know if he would of it, but he did have a good sense of humor about other parodies of his work, which we'll talk about later. So uh, maybe put our belief in put our belief in one person. That's right. Oh, that's right, David something or other, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so yep. Now let's talk about the episode in general, uh, Dragon Daffy from a uh, nineteen sixty uh, seven sixty six rather. Uh, so the episode. Yep. So the episode <sighs> begins with a uh, prickle heading to a soda shop. The soda jerk behind the counter uh, basically tells him no dragons are allowed because they melt the ice cream and. Considering the time period when this was made, this could have been an intentional, I want to say political message, but like an anti-discrimination message, considering this was made around like 66, 67 and that. Oh, racism, and certainly. It works. Yeah, yes. it does, it does. And despite the fact that uh, Prickle claims that he's a dinosaur, the soda jerk basically laughs him off. And it's here we get to, to something that is very interesting about Gumby. The human characters on the show were very odd because some humans were like photorealistic and others have a more stylistic look like this guy who basically look, looks like an upside down cone. He also he kind of looks a little bit like a soda bottle a little bit. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, it could have been a it very well uh, could have been intentional too with that. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I, yeah, this guy, the idea but... behind him is like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think they actually uh, reused this uh, character in a couple of other episodes as well, and he's a jerk there too. So yeah, he's a full blown dick. Exactly. Oh, yeah. But yeah, speaking of that, uh, with continuity, one thing that's interesting too about Gumby is the continuity of the show because although it had more continuity than a lot of '60s cartoons of the time, uh, there was one thing with this episode that if you've seen other ones, it makes it a little confusing. 
Because here, Prickle is trying to claim that he's a dinosaur, not a dragon. In other episodes, Prickle claims that he's proud of his dragon heritage, and his brother turns out to be the dragon from the St. George story, so... Oh, then. Yeah. Hmm. It was very interesting how, like, this episode, you know, Prickle's saying, I'm not a... I'm not a dragon. I'm not a dragon, I'm a dinosaur. And then in later I'm episodes, he's like... I'm not a dragon, I'm a dinosaur. He's like, like, I am man, proud to be my dragon heritage. Or, you know, just combine the two. Yeah. I feel like I was confused by that as a kid, yeah. They might have reused the model from an earlier episode, I guess. Uh, Probably, yeah. Uh, I actually always kind of looked like that, to be honest. But yeah, uh... The soda jerk then demands that Prickle proves that he's a dinosaur, not a dragon, and Prickle has no answer. So Prickle has to leave uh, the soda shop, and he has to prove that he's a dragon, and, uh, he's a dinosaur, rather, and he comes up with an idea. We then cut to the uh, toy shop where Gumby uh, lives as Prickle shows up. He tells Gumby that he has to see his mother in Dinosaur Land. Sadly, there is no uh, reference to this being a crossover with Super Mario World, although that would have been awesome. Would have been, yeah. Was he out of this time? No, that, no, that, it that, wasn't actually. Definitely not. That that Mario wouldn't exist for another twenty years after this uh, cartoon came out. Yeah, Super Mario World, Super Mario, Super Mario. I mean, <laughs> I mean, not yeah. wrong. There's a Probably funny would have been fun to see uh, Miyamoto make a uh, yeah, make a Gumby inspired game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, a yeah. in the Rainbow Curse. That yeah, and the ads for Super Mario RPG. We're not starved to stop motion when it comes to Nintendo for the most part. Thankfully, but, thankfully yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's a really funny joke here with Prickle claiming that he needs to go to Dinosaur Land to get his birth certificate, which is just really it's really it's like a blink and you miss it joke, and it actually does work. Uh, Prickle then warns Gumby about the bully Saurus as Gumby walks into the dinosaur book, which is kind of Gumby's thing. What he could do is he could walk into any book, and that uh, comes into play in a lot of the episodes. They would go into books and have all kinds of different adventures. Which I think Gravity Falls kind of did a little bit of a uh, did a little bit of a spoof of this. Yeah, they did the uh, in the uh, episode with the uh, claymation thing. Sue shows up as a, a Gumby-like creature, and he says, "Holy Toledo!" Which was a uh, Pokey's catchphrase. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's and then they just straight up throw a book at his head. And... <laughs> oh, <man>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That yeah. show was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one thing I think that's underrated about Gumby is how the backgrounds, specifically how well made they are, because a lot of it, the actual background is a drawing, but like the things he interacts with, like the bushes and the trees are all actual props. And mm. it must have taken a hell of a long time just to set this all up before I'll they bet. even start like the animation animation part of it. Indeed. Kind of reminds so, me of uh, the I Spy books where like, oh, and also the Can You See What I See books. Like it must have taken a really long time just to get it all set up, just to snap a few pictures. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, no, definitely, yeah. definitely. It has that kind of a similar feel to it, especially in like the toy shop scenes and that. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, Gumby goes inside the uh, dinosaur book, and as soon as he enters the book, the bully Saurus comes out from behind a rock and decides to eat Gumby. The thing that's interesting about his design, you can actually see the fingerprints on him of like how he was molded in that. You can actually see like, you know, thumbprints and, you know, fingerprints on him. 
which is Yikes. really, really cool, you know, to, to actually see that, oh, right, this was actually molded by a human being, that that is a really, really uh, cool touch. The yeah. uh, mixture of purple and white is really good, because, again, he's made of clay. It's like you could tell how they did it, but yet the fact to actually see it move and to see it alive is really neat. And I believe the, uh, you know, Bullysaurus dinosaur is also voiced by Art Cloakey, so that's really cool. Interesting. Uh, the music during this part, it's actually royalty-free music that was used in a lot of B-movies at the time. If you've seen, like, uh, movies like Atomic Brain or the, uh, or the uh, Attack of the Giant Leeches, the, this is the music uh, from those movies that were used in this. And there's an interesting factoid about that that we'll talk about uh, after this episode that kind of correlates to the music tracks they used in Gumby at this time. Yeah, I mean, if if an animated uh, short where, like, it's Game Grumps animated, but it's quote-unquote claymation uh, can do this, then, yeah. It's, it's yep. pretty bizarre. Yeah, exactly. So the uh, Bullysaurus eats Gumby before promptly spitting him out, which causes Gumby to smack against a tree. And again, this is really, really uh, complex animation. I mean, it's not like, again, like lake uh, lev level of animation, but compared to like a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that actually has a lot less uh, movement than this. This is really impressive. Indeed. And that is arguably one of the most classic uh, stop examples yeah. of stop motion you can get. Exactly. I mean, comparing anything to a Rankin-Bass production is kind of setting the bar really low because as far as stop motion is concerned, theirs are a lot more stop than they are motion. Yeah, that. Honestly, yeah, there was barely any animation. That is true. When you think about it, that is very true compared to like uh, stuff even like Gumby, which is being made at the same time. That That is very, very true. I mean, it's still, I mean, it still managed to get across some very interesting things for the most part. So uh, I wouldn't let oh, no, no, definitely, definitely. lost the cause. Exactly. So he basically says that Gumby doesn't taste good and he threatens to attack him. He does like this weird uh, movement with his arms, waving them back and forth in a kind of comical way. I think the reason they did it was just to, that they could actually have animation at this time. But then we get to see a much larger dinosaur appear, which causes him to nervously grin and run away. Uh, something that's really neat about it is that the eye of the bully source is just like a, a bead in the middle of like white clay. But the way it moves around, it feels so natural. Ugh. It's almost like a, like something like, you know, an arts and crafts thing almost, you would say. But the way yeah. they just do it. Yeah. It really has such a really cool vibe in that. So the larger dinosaur turns out to be uh, Prickle's mother, which is the reason why we're covering this episode. <laughs> I like it. I do like how Prickle's mother, his her design is exactly the same as Prickle, but much larger and with long eyelashes. Which I mean, uh, yeah. okay, yeah, they reused the model. Why not? You know, instead of making a whole new dinosaur model, you know, just reuse one, make it look slightly larger, and put eyelashes on it, and boom, it's Prickle's mom. Her voice reminds me a little bit of Gundamar from uh, Lost in Space: The Questing Beast, the episode we uh, previously reviewed on this podcast. Oh. I can see you what know you mean what? with that. It was not June Foray, because I don't think Gumby ever got a voice actor uh, with that level of uh, notoriety on there. At yeah, least compared that makes to like sense. A, Yeah. But it definitely sounds like she's trying to do like a June Foray type of voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very I, much so, yeah. Yeah. 
And it's here where Gumby basically tells uh, Prickle's mother what happens as the short fades to black, which, again, probably is a way to save on animation because, again, it's like a f at least three to five seconds where they don't have to animate a thing. So, you know, that definitely saves time, especially on a show that's as time-consuming as Gumby. We then hey, cut back yeah. to the... I yep. We then come back to the ice cream parlor with Gumby, Prickle, and Prickle's mother there. And it's here we get to just really see the size of Prickle's mother. She is easily three to four times the size of her son. And seeing her model with like Gumby and Prickle's model, it really is a. You really wonder how big do they make this uh, clay model if they use like forced perspective or if they really just use like a larger scale uh, model of her. Compared to uh, the Pokey and the, uh, the yep, sorry, the uh, Gumby and the Prickle model. Yeah, I'll bet. So uh, Prickle then goes inside once again, and the soda jerk tells him off. In the middle of his tirade, Prickle's mother uh, ducks her head in the door, and she tells him off in a pretty uh, fun moment. Yeah. The soda jerk. I'm oh, sorry. And again, yes. I, yeah. Again, part of it is the animation too. Just the way they talk is something that feels very satisfying about it, almost. Yeah, indeed. It's also funny. Another thing I I want to mention: the fact that they just freaking run. The fact that they're running just like feels like supersonic. Like they yeah. go from like one spot to the next in like a really fast way. And like I'm just thinking, like how difficult must it be to travel there? How used to those G forces must those people be? Like you just can't <laughs> take a step. Like a normal person would just take a step there and like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly to think about um, the gumby world has a lot of weird 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 things i'm sure they are very very used to it so uh perkle and his mother talk about how the uh, soda jerk was scared off and one thing is that they talk about this but the show does a close-up on gumby's face which again feels like another attempt to save on animation so they wouldn't have to uh animate perkle and his mother talking to each other Mmm. And the episode ends with Prickle saying, we better eat all the ice cream before our dragon comes along and melts it. Which is, wow, okay, Prickle, you learned about discrimination, but then you do discrimination? Not cool. Oh, so, yeah, uh, hypocrite much? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep, then they all the 60s. Back yeah. then we had seven arts and frickin' Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the episode yeah. ends with them all laughing, as most Gumby episodes usually did. And and we get the uh, a cloaky production title card, which has uh, all four of the characters there, which always was a nice little touch. Yep. And it's here where uh, we're finished talking about the episode, but we're not done talking about Gumby just yet, because there is a lot more things to talk about with him after uh believe not this short and gumby in general so gumby would last for maybe two more years in the 60s until cloaky seemingly vanished off the face of the earth with this and a davian goliath ending now it's a cliche to say that if someone was creative oh they probably did it while they were on drugs you know like oh the the animators on fantasia they must have been on drugs uh, Jim Henson must have been on drugs when he was doing Fraggle Rock, even though, you know, neither of those are true. In Art Cloakey's case, however, that you might have a bit more of a point. Because what happened to him, why he vanished, is because in the late 1960s, he decided to basically give up his entire uh, life, and he became an acid guru. 
Oh, he would okay. Tour the cunt, he would tour the United States with a bunch of hippies and Timothy Leary, the guy who invented LSD, and they would just do like a free love sit-ins and things like that. And yeah, no, he, he actually literally vanished off the face of the earth and he was just doing this for about like a almost a decade's worth. And in the 1970s, he actually uh, got himself clean. He sobered up and he converted to Hinduism of all yeah, religions, which is interesting. And oh. so in the 70s, he didn't really do much in terms of animation and that with either Davian Goliath or uh, Gumby. Then something very interesting happened that actually brought Gumby's popularity back. In the 1980s, Gumby started becoming popular again because of the show Saturday Night Live. Eddie Murphy did a sketch where he played Gumby as like a washed up, you know, comedian. I'm Gumby, damn it. That, that was like the catchphrase. I remember that. that. <laughs> I was going to mention that because yeah, all, all yeah. early, all all afternoon, my my mom was actually referencing that. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. That sounds wild. Yeah. Apparently, oh, yeah. our Cloakie thought that was so hilarious that he was actually inspired to make new Gumby. For the first time in like 20 plus years, he actually made more Gumby. He got uh, more animators to work on it, and he still worked on the animation as well. And then that was interesting about Gumby with the 1980s show, which I believe was called Gumby Adventures. It had an actual title. Is that it actually consisted of an of a, a new short, uh, or maybe two new shorts and one old short. But the old short was redubbed with synthesizer music and uh, new voices. The reason they did this was because of the aforementioned music tracks. Because apparently Cloakey couldn't get the rights to reuse the tracks. He just decided to just redo the episodes. And instead, you have like an episode from the 1960s. that so you have like 80s synthesizer, you know, in the background. It's mm. very, very uh, weird, to say the least. I'll bet. Uh, well, another thing that's interesting about Gumby in the 80s was the animators who worked on it. Two of the people who worked on it, well, there were a lot of animators who would later go and work for Pixar that worked on the Gumby 80s show. Well, but, then. But two people who I think are the most interesting ones was uh, one Mr. Henry Selick, a.k.a. the animator behind uh, Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, also oh. Coraline. Nice. Yep. He worked on Gumby, and he actually became a very close personal friend of uh, Art Cloakies. Another person who worked on uh, Gumby, believe it or not, and as an animator, and actually a scriptwriter, he wrote some uh, episodes, was John R. Dilworth, creator of Courage, a Cowardly Dog. And I can have some yeah. inspiration there. Yeah, and the thing that's actually, really yes. interesting amazing about the 80s Gumby show is because they had more animators they could go really all out with the animation they had some episodes where they had no dialogue and it was just like a pure Tex Avery style madness imagine trying to animate a Tex Avery style wild take in clay well then you know and the fact that they do it and it looks so amazing I mean if if you want to watch Gumby the uh the 1980s episodes are definitely that they're all uh sorry Tundra was there they're all probably uh worth checking out but i feel like the 1980s version of gumby was probably one of the best ones and the fact that they got the character dynamics down all pretty pat they had some really uh fun stories and 
let's say the silent shorts with like no dialogue and it's just like whatever weirdness art cloaky and wanting to do is really really something else yeah it really is something to behold Mm. And, and probably the reason that uh, Gumby is still remembered, at least among older millennials like myself, uh, it was one of the, like, 12 shows that was shown on early Cartoon Network all the time. Oh, that's interesting. I oh, know. That is neat. That, yeah, that if is you were really, really cool. on Cartoon Network in the early 90s, you saw Gumby everywhere. So that's why it's known uh, among uh, old hats like myself. I, unfortunately, did not uh, grow up in the early 90s. It was more like late 90s, early 2000s. Same, same. I, I was, in fact, familiar with Gumby. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard knew of him, but I didn't really see much of the shorts until, uh, let me consult COVID, because I had him on YouTube. I got curious and watched him, and I was just, like, transfixed by him because of how yeah. well-made they are. They really are something that is just like, you know, and I'll get to more about my opinions of Gumby in a little bit, but it really is something that is just... One of a kind, you know? Yeah. But yeah, um, Gumby was so popular, he actually got a movie creatively called Gumby the Movie. It yeah. apparently was finished in 1990, but it was actually not released until 1996. And it was distributed by Warner Brothers, but I use the word distributed in an extremely loose sense because they only released it in like six theaters. So it made almost no money despite the fact that it is a really fun film. You know, it really, really is. It, it's not, like I say, it's not anywhere like an all-time classic animated movie, but if you want to see a movie with Gumby in it, it really does a good job, I think. It has okay. that... They didn't compromise uh, any of the uh, weirdness. And that's to go to prove mm. that uh, WB uh, having a movie and then not wanting to uh, spread it around is not a recent thing. Oh, exactly. no. It's have done this for... They have done that for years and years and years. But okay. after that, uh, Gumby kind of uh, only appeared sporadically on like TV commercials or like maybe bumpers or specials and things like that. Cloakie continued to animate him, though. He even did like a uh, documentary called uh, Gumby uh, Dharma or something like that, which is a documentary about Art Cloakie and Gumby. And Cloakie himself actually contributed the animation of uh, like uh, Gumby and, po and Pokey in it. So and um, he he did it his whole life too, which is amazing. Even at like uh, Gumby's fiftieth uh, anniversary special in uh, two thousand and seven, he actually showed up and he uh, did some animation. Well I say bad. this because the uh, Gumby fiftieth anniversary special is lost media, and apparently had Smash Mouth doing a cover of the uh, Gumby theme song. So that sadly what is the... lost to the ether. Yeah, rip the rip the voice. I'm not rip sure the vocalist too. Yeah. That is mid-2000s as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if I want that to be found. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I want to see if it's, uh, you know. Yeah. But after yeah. Cloakie's uh, death in 2012, uh, 2010, excuse me, nothing Ooh. has really been done with Gumby aside from a four-part comic book miniseries and a uh, children's book called uh, Gumby Goes to the Sun. Now, you think that it'd be an educational picture book about Gumby visiting the plants in the sun, but it starts off like that. Then Gumby goes inside of the sun, and there's a whole mythical kingdom there. And I, I, when I read that, I was like, well, they got it. They still got that, you know, complete weirdness that Gumby had. Yep. Art Cloakie's son was working on a project with the animators from Robot Chicken. Before his oh. own passing, I think in uh twenty, 
I think 2021 he passed away. I believe so. You know, uh, I'll have to fact check me on that. But uh, I it think, actually uh, he, makes sense that he did work with them, to be honest. Yeah, like, he was. They're working on a new Gumby thing. Apparently, an Amazon was interested, but it didn't take. Now Gumby is owned by a uh, Fox, not Disney, but the Fox Corporation that still exists. Mm. So we'll have to see if anything comes out of it. And I don't know if I want to, because on one hand, uh, on one hand, I mean, Gumby was Art Clokey's uh, vision. It was his creation. It, he did what he wanted to do with it. He didn't have any studio executives breathing down his neck to make things more relatable or to get rid of things or put some other things in. He just did whatever what he wanted and whatever he thought would be cool. And I really respect that. Mm, Plus, part of the other problem is stop motion is incredibly uh, time-consuming and costly animation, especially in this era of CGI. And let's say this way: CGI Gumby would completely kill all of the appeal. You know? Yeah. I mean, unless, unless Devil's Advocate here, you decide to do what you did, uh, what uh, some studios did with like Spider Verse, with TMNT Mutant Mayhem, that sort of thing. And have it be like, uh, you know, a stop, a sort of stop motion spoof, if you will, like nothing, like nothing too fluid or something like that. But y- you get where I'm going with this, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I get where you're going with this. But it's why say, so- I- I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's, li- it's why something like the Lego movie works in that regard, because it's stop. It's CG, but it's done in such a very stylized stop motion like way. You know? Oh, there's a way that they could do something like that with Gumby. That would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to happen. And it's a shame because these characters and this world that Art Cloakey made, I mean, this was absolutely amazing. This this wasn't like to sell toys. This wasn't to like a, a studio executive's, you know, pet project and that. This was just one animator and his vision, his weird as hell vision. And he made it and he did what he loved and... Like I say, I feel Art Cloakey should be mentioned in the same breath as like a Jim Henson and Walt Disney sometimes. And the mm. fact that he was a guy who just did whatever he wanted and he was happy with it. Yeah, yeah. I'll bet. Yeah. But again, I really hope that Gumby eventually gets something new just so he's not completely forgotten. And I do feel that people know him, even if they've never seen a short, they know of Gumby, they know of Pokey, they know of the whole setup, basically. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, at the Sorry, very yeah, least, if you don't put uh, uh, Cloakie in the same vein as uh, Henson or Disney, you, you absolutely need to put him in the same vein as Harry Housen or Selleck. Oh, definitely, definitely. Mm. Yeah, Willis O'Brien, you know, even like, you know, Will Vinton, th- those type of guys. He really was a guy who completely revolutionized animation and, again, for the better. I'll bet. <sighs> yeah. So now it is time for the uh, question of the week, which is, what is your favorite uh, stop motion work? And this could be stop motion in terms of like uh, movies, cartoons, uh, sections of movies and things like that. Uh, and I'm also, go f- what about games? Games too, games too. Yep. Nice. Now I'm going to go first and I am just, I'm such a huge nerd of these movies. So forgive me if this is an obvious choice. My favorite stop motion of all time is really tied between Jason and the Argonauts and the original Clash of the Titans. Not the remake, nice. which was absolute garbage. Uh, just a little tangent here. One thing I really annoyed me about the 2010 remake was the part where they 
they look through the box and they find like Bubo and the mechanical Al and Percy's like, leave that. It is of no use to us. It's like, you Bruh. wish you were as creative as the 1981 version of Clash of the Titans. I've seen, right. I've seen that movie. It was fun. Oh, it's great. It, yeah, yeah. The, the 81 version is fantastic. I'll have but, to take a look at that sometime. But yeah, no, uh, Jason the Argonauts, of course, everyone remembers the big skeleton fight at the end, as they should, oh, because it is yeah. absolute badass. But Harryhausen. Also, yeah, Harryhausen is just so amazing. I mean, there's the part uh, with Talos, which, I'm going to be honest, probably after King Kong is the most awesome stop-motion monster ever. Just how, how, they, how he moves, how he, he's so antagonizing to them. The, uh, the harpies are really cool as well. And in Clash of the Titans, let's not forget uh, Medusa, which actually popularized the creature to begin with, was oh. in uh, that movie. The uh, whole the Kraken, which again, absolutely amazing bit of stop motion there. I'll bet. Yeah, th- those are my favorites. And another one that's a uh, cliche has to be the uh, work of Willis O'Brien. Uh, Willis O'Brien, of course, did the original uh, King Kong. Which, if you, you, which I mean, you obviously know is an absolute classic. I mean, right there, that is just so. I mean, King Kong is ninety is over ninety years old, and don't worry, we will get to the original King Kong and the two thousand and five version on this podcast. Just you know, keep your keep your ears listened for that. We are going to get to those one day, but nice. that is just so amazing. He did Son of Kong. Which, believe it or not, was filmed the same year, and yet it still looks amazing. Uh, Little Kong's fight with the uh, giant snake is really good. He did Mighty Joe Young, which was kind of a, I guess, parody of King Kong spinoff. It's a really unusual movie, but it's a good one. One movie he did that it doesn't get a lot of uh, uh, credit, but it's one that I feel has really good animation. is called The Black Scorpion. It was made in the 1950s. I think it was O'Brien, one of his last movies. It's what the story is. A bunch of giant scorpions crawl out of a volcano in Mexico and start wreaking havoc. These things are amazing. Again, for a 1950, it's not on the level of, say, like what Harryhausen was doing. But the fact is, the stop-motion scorpions in this movie, they look absolutely amazing. Especially the part at the end where they destroy a train. I'd say it's almost as good as the part in King Kong where Kong picks up the uh, subway and starts smashing it. It really is a, a really good movie. And fun fact, he actually reused parts of the uh, spider pit sequence from uh, King Kong. If you don't know, the uh, spider pit sequence was going to be in the original King Kong. When the men fall off the log that King Kong shakes, they were going to survive but be attacked by giant bugs and spiders. This was cut out of the movie because apparently it was either too frightening or it made the movie too long, depending on who you talk to. Uh, it's never really confirmed why it was cut out. But regardless, yeah. uh, pieces of that uh, footage was reused in this, in the part where the, uh, where the uh, main scientist and his assistant are going down to the volcano. Some of the pieces of it are actually uh, footage from that deleted spider pit sequence. So it really, really is cool. But yeah. Uh, forgive me for being a pedestrian with my answers with like Harry Housen and Willis O'Brien, but they are just so legendary and they are phenomenal, both of them. Mm, I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like I hear like the giant scorpions thing and I'm just like, at least it's original. <laughs> yeah, it was. And it, like I say, 
it's not the best movie because the story itself is not the best, nor is the acting, but you're not really there for it. You're there for Willis O'Brien's effects, and those are phenomenal. And if you haven't seen it, check it out. I don't know if it's readily available. I'd hope it is, but we'll have to see about that. But yeah, those are my picks. Uh, Clash of the Titans, uh, Jason and the Argonauts, uh, Willis O'Brien's works, which is uh, King Kong, Son of Kong, Mighty Joe Young, and The Black Scorpion. Those are uh, my uh, choices for my favorite uh, pieces of stop-motion animation. So, Anne Crom, what would you have to say? Boy, buckle up. So, I could easily say some of Rudolph's uh, later works for the most part. I could also say, potentially, uh, the Lego movie or Into the Spider-Verse. I could also say, uh, oh gosh, what's another good one? I could say one of the Leica films. I could say that one short. Ugh, excuse me. That uh, freaking uh, that one Star Wars Vision short that was made by uh, Triggerfish Studios, or was it? I, I forget the actual name, but it's the short where like it's all stop motion and it's these cute little things, just like just so cute. Instead. I am going to say something that I doubt a lot of people would really know about. And honestly, it's something that even that DreamWorks doesn't really talk about anymore for some weird reason. Oh, I am, of course, referring to the two video game series. I'm, of course, talking about a video game series that was made by DreamWorks ages ago in the 1990s and has never gotten any attention since outside of maybe like a spiritual successor which i'm not gonna talk about because it was kind of annoying but anyways i present to you the neverhood chronicles and the neverhood i actually know that yeah i've heard of it i've never actually played it me neither. I've I've seen a long play of it, and man, it kind of looks bizarre. It Ugh. is quite bizarre. I've never actually played it, but I've seen some gameplay of it, and it actually, yeah, I can actually say that it would have frightened me as a kid. <laughs> oh, I'll bet. But it that's not wild, the weird. Man. That's not just the weird thing about it. The weird thing about it. This thing has a full on lore to it like in depth hands down like oh my gosh not not just not just the backstory of it of like uh freaking uh hoborg coming down creating everything and deciding to make life and whatnot yada 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 he it, there is like legit more to it than meets the eye and it is it is very very odd to say the least be that as it may, however, DreamWorks to this day still doesn't talk about it. It's something. It, it's one of their earliest. In fact, i I would be I I wouldn't be surprised if it was their first ever video game. Considering the other video games that came out later, like stuff like let me think here, Shrek, stuff like Dragon, stuff like freaking Madagascar, my, the Toys for Bob game, especially. Just this predates all of them. Hands down. And, man, it is just so stylish. Like, this is one of the first games ever to be made using pure stop motion. Hands down. Like, 
you know how rare a stop motion video game like that is? Of to date, there are only like four or five games that I know of that use legit stop motion. Kirby and the Rainbow and Curse being one of them, and Neverhood being one of them as well. And but, we're not talking just a little bit of stop motion here and there. Every single movement, every single scene, every single everything that you can interact with in this world is stop motion. It's all claymation. Absolutely. That is amazing. That is that is so awesome. Yep. And even Skull... Oh, you want effort, though. Take a look at Skull Monkeys. Man, it it is a 2D platformer. And good lordy, it is so... You would not think that from looking at it. It's fluid. It's fast. Like, it is a huge step up, all things considered, from Neverhood Chronicles. And I'm surprised not a whole lot of people talk about them anymore. Because they're really amazing games. And if anything, they deserve to be remastered. Because, like, they're... Because, like, someone decided to use Unreal Engine 4 or something like that to, uh redesigned the the opening to uh the neverhood chronicles and it looked amazing i'm really sad that the person who did that didn't do anything beyond that because i very very much want to see uh i very much want to see a remaster of that get on steam or something because man the neverhood is amazing it's a little bizarre it's a little uh derivative of a few other things but honestly i i do want to see it get more love nowadays you know, definitely. I, I definitely <sighs> have to agree with you there, especially with the with how amazing and how much uh, really how much effort was put into this. You know, it really is something else. Yeah, very much so. That, anyway, that, that is an text. awesome choice right there. So, um, Striker, what would you have to pick? Well, when I was uh, growing up, I actually uh, grew up with uh, quite a few. Uh, claymation movies in fact i wouldn't be surprised if chicken run was one of them actually that was the first argument yeah that was not them chicken run was literally the first claymation movie i ever saw and like uh i have it on vhs still actually nice like i i still remember that my mom got me and my sister uh vhs's one uh like as a surprise one day and that was the one she got for me. <laughs> it reminded me of that one quote from... It reminded me of that one scene from South Park where they're, like, uh, talking about, like, the console wars, and then he Stan brings up, this'll be like what Betamax was to VHS. What's Betamax? Exactly. What's VHS? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I also did grow, uh, grow up with a few Betamax, uh, but it was just, like, like home videos, you know? Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, I also yeah. grew up a bit with the Walton Gromit movie. That was pretty interesting. Oh yeah, Curse yeah, Curse the Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, that was I mean, the one that I had. But uh, no, my choice is actually uh something that inspired a movie, a CGI movie. In fact, it oh. was a uh, this movie holds a special place in my heart. Nine. Oh yes, yeah, yes, really nine was amazing. Nine, the, nine is a fantastic, the, fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, see it. Wow. Um, uh, I'm talking about the student film that inspired the movie. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. All right, all right. Sorry okay. While listening. the movie was in CGI, the student film was in claymation. Yep. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh. What was the student film called? It was just called Nine. 
just like the movie. Ah. Uh... Um, it was a in. It was a claymation. Uh, it was yeah. It was just a clay, a short film made by the director, the creator of the film, and just. It was a lot different than the actual movie itself. While I haven't seen it, haven't seen it myself. I know I've seen the actual movie, and it still is like amazing. Uh, I okay. I I I think I know what you're talking about with the short film, but I don't believe that is a stop motion. I could be wrong. Oh no! It was it was. Conf- I actually remember it. I thought at least. If uh, not, then no. I'm then I'm going no. with a. If not, then yeah, I'm just going with Chicken Run because that was like, that was a hot topic recently because of the the uh, sequel on Netflix. Nice, nice. I nice. haven't okay. seen the sequel yet. I don't I'm know how either. either. All right. Yeah, my choice is either Nine or uh, Chicken Run. Nice. Okay. Both those are great. Yeah. So, uh, Math, what would you have to say is your favorite uh, piece of stop motion animation? Uh. Me being the weird animation guy, I wanted to go with something obscure like The Adventures of Mark Twain. Mm. Everyone knows that one. That's the one with Claymation Mark Twain and that one uh, death mask dude. That's what. Oh, yes. I'm an angel. My name Uh, is Satan. I remember that. I can't forget Satan. I mean, he's Uh, not wrong, but at the same time. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was uh, or, that was actually uh, unsettling. Even though I've seen yes. it that just that one scene so many times online, I just know it's fucking unsettling. I bet. Great movie, really disturbing nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or I wanted to go with something high art like Kubo and the Two Strings from Laika. <laughs> nice. I'd be lying to myself if I didn't go with what is my absolute favorite stop motion film and probably in my top. Ten movies of all time, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yes. absolutely! Classic, I fucking for, classic. almost forgot about Nightmare Before Christmas. Absolute classic. I, I didn't forget about I, Nightmare I, Before Christmas. As much I grew as up uh, with Tim Burton movies, actually. Same, same. As as much as Coraline is the better movie, I'm sorry, I I got to agree with you there. I think Nightmare Before Christmas is the best thing Henry Selick has ever done. It, it really oh, yeah. is like his masterpiece. And oh yeah. He, I am dead. I can take off my head. Exactly. Right there. I mean, we, yeah, we can do the whole movie right here if you want to, but we'll spare you that. <laughs> that would be a very interesting take, but nah. It's the genius combination of Selleck and Burton, both in their primes. Yes, uh, absolutely. Any Elfman they too. needed each other in Ooh. that because uh, you saw Corpse Bride when Burton was on his own, and you saw Coraline when Selleck was on his own. Both good movies in their own right, but they just don't quite hold up to Nightmare Before Christmas. More or less. I mean, Coraline for the most part had a little bit of an edge over uh, freaking uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, but yeah, I do agree for the most part. <laughs> Anyways. Iconic characters, iconic voices, iconic songs, uh, movies still shown in theaters uh, around Halloween every uh, just about every year these days. 
They, they love re-releasing that. It's the Miss- hot topic staple uh, for 30 yeah. years. Oh, yeah. Uh, anything, yeah, it, it's like anything goes at hot topic. <laughs> I'll bet. My yeah. mother is obsessed with that movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Uh, she has very good taste in that case. The little oh, boy where she's thick with a whole bathroom in it. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow! Nice. I would definitely uh, talk about. I mean, there's yeah. obsession, and then there's that. You know? Yeah, I would definitely, definitely like pictures of that. Oh man! Uh, the entire yeah. bathroom filled. I would probably. I, not, I, I wouldn't I, even step I'm foot. I'm going to it. her place. I'm going to her place Saturday for manual labor. So. Oh I'll god! Just don't go in the. If I went to a bathroom like that, I would immediately just like turn around and be like, uh, "Hey, do you know what a guest bathroom is?" <laughs> 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 oh, don't worry. They have a guest bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <I'm really serious. laughs> oh wow! And this then, is gonna be one of the you know most fun things that we've ever discovered on this podcast. That that sounds absolutely amazing. I, I would like to see pictures of this. <laughs> and then it still makes me laugh that. Uh, Disney thought this was too scary and put it through Touchstone. Yeah, and now this has become a Disney staple. Oh, it is. I mean, they they do everything with this now. So popular. Indeed. I feel like nowadays Disney is more more than ever proud to release it under their own label. I mean, they have a Jack Skeleton shows up in all the theme parks in some uh, parks now in Disneyland in California. They make the haunted mansion into a, a nightmare before Christmas ride for Christmas. Which is a really I remember cool that, time. and I still need to do that too. That's yeah, pretty yeah. impressive. I feel like, like I say, Disney now is more open than ever to a nightmare before Christmas. And apparently, for years, they kept trying to have Burton help them make sequels. But to Burton's credit, he's turned them down every time, saying that he feels like the story is finished. So I give him uh, props for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did have Oogie's Revenge for that video game. Yeah. Is that a prequel, I thought? Or... No, oh, no, right. it is a sequel, right? All right, the sequel, I would, right, right. I would, I would assume because the word Revenge is a sequel. Right, right. Well, sorry, right. Right. sorry for that. It's just, <laughs> oh, man. It's all... Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. They also... Yeah. Uh, Henry Sonic will also go on to do a freaking Netflix film with, like, uh, those two demons. I forget its name, but... Mad yeah. God, I think, when right? Oh, Mad God! Yeah. Um, that's a uh, that's a Shutter film, actually. Ooh, okay, that sounds really Ooh. interesting. I've yeah. heard of it, I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I've seen uh, videos on it, and it is fucking weird. It seems Sorry, it even can be kind of disturbing at parts. Indeed. Nice, nice. That that it's is got awesome. Feel on it, so it's automatically good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That is that is amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, nice, nice. So, um, yeah, Lucky Eevee, or would you say your favorite uh bit of stop motion animation is? I haven't watched it yet, but it's High Priority uh, Pokemon Concierge. Oh, I yeah. have not yeah. seen either. I want to check it out too. I've heard good things about it. I've gotten started. It looks pretty good so far, but uh, yeah, I I still need to, <laughs> I still need it to is see a it. Really Holy. good, comfy series. Yeah. You want Pokemon being Pokemon? Pokemon Concierge. Nice, nice. I mean, it, it's like the Pikachu short uh, series we always wanted, but we never got until now. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> exactly. It's it's this genre uh, in Japan that's it's literally just uh, 
uh, people relaxing or uh, having calm uh, things happen. That is actually a genre of manga and anime because of just how workaholic Japan is. And oh, I'll this, bet. Is, uh, <laughs> this is a series that takes from that genre and it shows. Yeah, definitely. I mean, anything like I guess anything to relax. Yeah. But hey, no, I definitely want to check that out too. And I'm really glad that Pokemon is being more open to uh, new and unique styles of animation like that. Oh, yeah. Same, actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is good when a company like that decides, hey, you know what? Let's go a little bit creative here. So that that is a great choice right there. Um, Jordan has not written to me yet what her favorite thing is, but she has written to me what... Uh, ranking she will give prickles mother so now it is time to get to the uh patent pending dragonist scale and we're reviewing a uh, prickles mother today now she only appeared in this one episode strangely enough it's surprising that she never appeared in literally anything else ever again and they probably maybe even have a figure out a way to incorporate her again maybe yeah, maybe or maybe by the time they did the 80 series they lost the model of her and they didn't want to have to make a new one because again clay it, it's not very uh durable yeah speak and speaking of lost clay of uh lost clay media or at the very least underused clay media <laughs> yeah so um yeah as for um prickle's mother uh, it's very interesting because she's not really a character but yet she has a lot of personality and again for a short that is less than five minutes long and yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have gotten this much content out of a four and a half minute long short film. So <laughs> yeah. that tells you something. We love to yeah. talk. Can you tell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but hey, that's why it works. But anyway, Perkle's mother, I'm going to give her, it might be a little bit too high of a score, but I really think I'm going to give her seven out of 10 just because for the time that she was on screen, the ratio of the length of the short compared to the length of her appearance the fact that we did get some personality out of her, the fact that even though her design is just prickle, they did some details to make it their own, and her voice definitely is a big boon to her as well. I, I gotta give her a 7 out of 10. I can't give her higher because, again, she doesn't have that much screen time or that much personality. But, yeah, that that is the score that I'm gonna give her, 7 out of 10. I'm gonna give her the same, honestly. Like, I agree with everything you're saying, but, uh, yeah, what really ultimately hurts her is not only the length of the short, but, uh, the fact she isn't exactly given, uh, too much more time outside of, uh, this one thing. And, like with the Neverhood, it isn't really given that much love, and that's a real shame, because I would love to see more from this character, and, like, have, uh, Prickle's family be a little more fleshed out as well. So, yeah, I'm also gonna give her a 7 out of 10. Nice, nice. So, um, Striker, what would you have to say? Uh, you know what? I think I may have to agree with with you on this. Um, uh, blood. I'm I'm going yeah. seven out of ten. Ah, nice. seven out of train. Seven out of ten train. Choo -choo. All right. Wow. Wow. Keep it going. Well, I probably mm. won't last uh, the whole thing, but we'll see how long it can last. No, uh, last right. uh, math. What would you have to give her? Uh. Choo -choo. Uh, I gotta go seven as well because <laughs> basically one to one with what Lud said by 
all measures and by the normal standard I hold these characters to, this is way too high. But there's just something that really worked with this character that I can't quite explain. Uh, the design is incredibly simple, and it's literally just, what if pickle, but bigger? And, and yet, it, it works. I don't know why, but it, it works. I, I think, in large part, due to the voice actress. She sells yeah. the character, and the animation that's used, obviously, it's cloaky, so it's great. So, it just, the combination of the two make the character work in a way that, by any measure, shouldn't. And she's just really sweet, and I, I like the character as she's presented for even as little as she's presented. Uh, the reason it's a seven is because, well, there's not much of her, and in the grand scheme of things, all it is is Eglishard. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Evie, what would you have to say? I'd say. Five out of ten. Ooh, okay. Derailed. Yep. Well, it's gonna be derailed anyway. But I, I know, I know, like he's just Pickles' model, but bigger. And but with eyelashes. I know of course, but the only reason I know what she looks like is is because it's me. I found. Let me see. Oh, I gotta check this out. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Too. Okay. Okay. That 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 is funny as hell right there. Oh, <laughs> those of you who can't, uh, those of you yeah. who can't uh, see it because this is an audio only podcast. It says me showing my mom a funny meme. My mom, and then it's Prickles' mother staring at a piece of paper with a confused look. Oh, that that's hilarious! Right she just looks at it and squints. And squints. <laughs> what the hell am I looking at? We do have meme. I think it might be. I think it might be Winnie the Pooh actually. Yeah. Yeah. It oh, really, man. really is hysterical. But yeah, no, no, that oh, yeah, I found the exact there. I found I found the exact base too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's based on the uh, Winnie the Pooh one, but <laughs> yeah. that's a nice one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it's based yeah. on. That's no, what it's based nice. on. And even oh, though uh Jordan oh, oh, is not on this episode. She has decided to help us with the Dragonus ranking. She is giving Prickles' mother a six, and her reasoning is it's cute that uh, Gumby tries to help a friend, and she likes uh, Prickles' mother's design. So that's good. Mm. Uh, yeah. Total derail. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Oh well. So if you have any questions, or if you want to hear about what other weirdness we could dig up about Art Cloaky, feel free to email us at farydiscourse at outlook.com. Or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash discourse. Next time is our first year anniversary, and to celebrate, we're going to be discussing the 1975 Hong Kong movie, The Super Inframan. If you haven't seen this or heard of it, you are in for a treat. This movie up, is definitely Buckle. one of a kind. It's something that you will never get anywhere else, and we are going to have so much fun talking about that, but... We hope that you enjoyed this episode this week, too. And until then, thank you guys so much for listening, and take care. Laters. Adios.